And I am aware now. Aware now. The official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. As industries evolve with technology, many things change. For better or worse, evolution is inevitable. For a real and raw conversation on music at the intersection of tech, we speak with our very own Thavius Beck, a multi-instrumentalist, producer, MC, and electronic music educator whose life revolves around music and technology. When it comes to the production and distribution of music with technology, a lot has changed over the years. From how we create it to how we consume it, music has evolved with technology. My question for you, Thavius, is this. In your opinion, what's the biggest win that technology has brought and what's the biggest loss, if any? Well, I mean, you know, the biggest win is that there's more access to tools and creators can reach their audience directly, you know. Um, so the fact that you don't need to go through some big, huge corporation or, you know, have to go through the typical channels of the music industry to create an audience, to be able to build a fan base, uh, to connect with promoters and book shows, you know, artists can now do all of that on their own if they're willing to. So um, and to be able to create an album from scratch as one person in your bedroom on a laptop, you know, um, with really no budget. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people who are getting into music now, discovering this technology, you know, may not have the money, but they have access to pirated uh, material as well, which I'm definitely not an advocate of, but like, I understand how that path goes. So you could have, you know, a busted computer and really no budget and be able to make an entire album and distribute it to a fan base and connect with people and perform. That's a major, major difference from before. The biggest loss though, is that like, um, there's no need to develop your skills to do any of that. <laughs> so like, you know, you could have a computer and go online and find a folder of breakbeats and loops and whatnot, and just put them together like a collage artist and people think you're a genius. And it's like, you didn't even write any of that stuff, you know, and you may not, not have an understanding of basic harmony or theory and things like that. And you're just throwing things together based on what you find. So um there's not a lot of incentive for people to learn the foundation in theory behind um how to do what the technology is doing for them you know so uh in a lot of ways people are just you know getting more and more lazy and complacent and kind of taking for granted the fact that like back in the day you had to learn you know a basic scale or two you know you had to understand how notes sounded together so if you wanted to make someone feel happy or sad you understood what scale what sort of key to work in, you know, things like that, right? So uh, not to say that that's totally gone, but there's just not as much incentive for people to to learn, you know, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's kind of like um, when you're driving, I mean, you just plug in where you need to go. You don't need to know how to use a map or like remember directions. We rely on our technology to do that. So, um, you know, so let's take a trip together way back in the way back machine and travel back to where you began Thavius in music. Um, and then, <laughs> and then let's come right back here. I'd love to know back in the day, what was the first most high tech piece of equipment that you had? And what is that today? Um, 
It's an interesting question because I don't know that I could like answer it in terms of what's the most high tech. Like the first piece of gear that I ever got that I consciously tried to like, you know, use to make music in some sort of like interesting way, taking advantage of technology, is this keyboard called the Casio SK1. Uh, it's this old Casio keyboard. You could sample with it, but it could sample for like 1.4 seconds. Uh, you could only store one sample. The sample rate was like really, really low. It wasn't meant to be some professional thing, but um, it became pretty popular. A lot of people ended up doing stuff to circuit bend it and like, you know, make it do more than it could. I got this when I was like, I don't know, nine, nine or 10 or something like that. Um, and I remember back then we had like, you know, everyone had like the little hi-fi stereo system with the record player and the dual cassette thing. And the whole secret was like with the dual cassette player, it had high speed dubbing. So if I set it up for high speed dubbing, I could play a cassette, play it twice as fast. And if I sampled that, I basically got twice the sample time because the music was playing twice as fast, you know? So I could play with that, slow it down, do little loops, and I would record those to tape. And that was the first time I actually started trying to like loop stuff to make beats, right? Um, and it was pretty high tech back then, I guess, you know? Um, now I have so much stuff, it's hard to say what's the most high tech. I mean, all of it's high tech in its own way. Um, but I guess, uh, what would be the most com interesting combination of things? I have this uh, sampler, sequencer, synthesizer called the Dirty Wave Mate. I might even have it over here in my backpack. And uh, it's really small. It's developed on this platform uh, called uh, Arduino. And uh, no, did he use Arduino? I think he used a Teensy, whatever it is. It's a small microcontroller. It's very, very cheap. And this person was genius enough to build his own machine uh, that fits in the palm of my hand. I don't know if this is going to show up on this. Is it? Oh, oh it's kind of disappearing for a moment. Oh, uh, wait, uh, let me put it on my face. Oh, there, there it is. <laughs> okay. So this thing here, it's a sequencer, sampler, synthesizer. It's got stereo speakers, built-in battery. I can connect it to my computer as an audio interface, uh, unlimited sampling time. Uh, I've got an SD card in here with like, I don't know, 128 gigabytes worth of stuff and uh, fits in my pocket, you know? So in terms of just how far technology has come, I think this is probably a good example of it. But um, I don't know, yeah. everything is high tech nowadays. So. <laughs> everything is high tech. <laughs> but the fact that it can be so teensy tiny and do so very much is is wild, so. It's pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Um, so uh, so I, I, I'm really excited to say this next piece. We won't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. <laughs> I just really wanted to say that. Vinyl. <laughs> it's been rising in popularity. Uh, question for you about vinyl. What is it? Is it the warmer sound, that just physical feel that you can touch it, you can hold it? Is it the nostalgia that supports this resurgence? What are your personal and professional thoughts about vinyl? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a bigger tactile thing that you can touch. You go to the store, you can flip through album covers and the artwork is way bigger, you know? You pull the album out and you have this big physical disc with grooves that you can touch and you put it on and you have to physically interact with it to go from song to song and you have to flip it over to hear the other side of the record. And yeah, it is warmer uh, in a way just because of the way music has to be mastered for vinyl. There's a different EQ curve for that. Um, music on vinyl tends to sound more dynamic because it's not mastered to be so incredibly loud just based on the physical you know, constraints of vinyl and the music having to fit into these grooves and you don't want the needle to jump or whatever throughout the record. So there's a certain way that you have to just master the stuff to make sure the vinyl can play correctly, right? So 
Um, all of those things lead to it sounding a bit different than what you would hear on a CD or in an MP3 or something like that. Uh, the idea of warmth is part of that. Uh, whatever preamp that you have to use, you know, when you connect your vinyl to something else uh, in order to play it back might affect that too. So there's, there's a lot of things to it. Um, it's also kind of, I don't want to say kind of gimmicky, um, just in a way that like, you know, people are sort of pushing this idea of a resurgence of vinyl. Um, I think it's cool. Vinyl is really expensive to manufacture. Um, and it's kind of a big risk, you know, for a lot of people to invest in it unless they know they have an audience that's going to buy it. Right. So, um, I'm glad that people are supporting it. I think it's a great option to have. Uh, I'd rather have vinyl than an MP3 any day of the week, you know? So, um, but it's just about people being able to get the music and listen to it, you know, whatever they prefer and enjoy. It's all good as long as they're supporting, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say that cosmic noise sounds really nice on vinyl. So, you know, well, thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so you posted a video recently <clears throat> that caught not only people's eyes, but people's ears, mine specifically. You posted a video entitled Granular Metronome Part 2, stating, in your words, now you can see what it sounds like. In this video, there's this vibrant visual translation where the sound comes in forms of pulses, shapes, colors, as a recording artist, as a producer, Thavius, when you close your eyes, is this how you see the sounds that you that you make? Um, not specifically like that, but music is really visual to me. Um, and I tell my students and clients this all the time. If people play me stuff and they want feedback, usually like when I tell them something, it's based on like what the music looks like to me, you know. But it's more in terms of like translating a sound to a certain feeling that corresponds to like a place right so it's like okay this feels like sunset on a west coast beach and you know uh the night is about to like take a turn or something or this feels like uh running down a dark corridor and there's this momentum but there's a bright light and things are about to get better or it feels like uh you know dark blues mixed with you know there's just a lot of visual stuff that i see and i try to translate it in a way where like i don't know music isn't like literal you know there's not like a one-to-one -one correspondence between what something sounds like and you know some term that can describe it properly and completely you know so um the uh, you know even like with vinyl we talk about it being warm right like what mm -hmm. does that really literally mean right like it means different things to different people but there's kind of a ballpark sort of like, you know, idea of what that could mean. So if I say something like, you know, it feels, uh, you know, like warm uh, embers from a fire that was blazing and like right now, you know, the embers are about to sort of like die out, right? It kind of gives a sense of not just like the overall tone, but sort of like where are things going throughout the course of the song, you know? So, uh. um, but in terms of the visual that I posted, I mean, ultimately all it was, I, I had this random idea to take the metronome uh, from my DAW and run it through this uh, granular delay, which takes the audio. It'll delay it, but each subsequent time it gets delayed, the pitch can change and you can change the distance between the delays. And, you know, it just makes this nice cascading sort of thing. And then from there, I was like, all right, let me see if I can run this through this visual program. It's this program called Magic Performer uh, that I just stumbled onto. And um, it makes it really easy to work with audio and video. And you know, audio and visual, there's a direct link because usually when you see something, there's some sound that corresponds to it, right? So the more yeah. that I can do that, I'm I'm interested in pursuing that further going forward. So 
Um, it's not like that was a conscious like piece. It was just like, all right, let me take this weird thing and run it through this program and see what happens. And um, I like how it turned out, you know? So um, maybe I'll explore that more in the future. We'll see. Well, I wish you would. It's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you. So as we continue with this conversation, um, let's get less technical and more personal. I'd like to begin to understand Leo your most recent album. I'd love to know where it came from and what it means to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, the project is interesting. Um, I guess piggybacking on what I just said, uh, I've been in an interesting place creatively trying to figure out what I really want to do next because I don't necessarily want to do what I've always done, right? Just in terms of musical output or sound or whatever. So um, Leo didn't come out of nowhere but it was inspired by the fact that my mom had passed um she passed in april hasn't even been a year and uh she passed on her birthday and there was something that i just needed to express you know it was a hard thing to it's hard to really even put all that in the words i'll just say that like what leo was was me needing to uh get whatever this energy was that I couldn't really express or like share properly um, and distill it into something where I could just get it out of me, you know? Uh, a big part of it was just honoring just, you know, the the memory of my mom and just all the things she did to support me being a creative individual. Um, she's the one who got me the Casio SK-1. She got me my first sampler. She got me every single piece of gear that I had before I left the house and was always super supportive. So. Um, my motivation was, uh, I'm born July 31st, I'm a Leo. And I started the project, I guess, seven days before my birthday. Um, and after I wrote the first couple songs and kind of had an idea of what the project could be, uh, my motivation was to finish it and release it by my birthday. And, you know, at this point, I'm not really, I'm not that concerned with like trying to get with some big distributor or a label or like, let me promote this thing. And the whole spirit of the project wasn't about that anyway. It was just like, this is just a cathartic release. I just need to just do it and just get it, get it outside of me, you know? Um, so yeah, that was it. I put it up on Bandcamp, you know, all the lyrics are there. It's a pretty personal album. Um, and um, yeah, it just reflects where I was at at the time and um, processing stuff personally and in the world, because the world is in a really weird place right now. Um, so yeah, that that's that was that was it. That's what it is, you know. Um, and again, it's not something where it's like you know I have some campaign behind it or I'm trying to like you know go check it out. It's like it's it's there and it exists and if people are curious, uh, feel free to check it out. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just a necessary thing that I needed to do for myself. That was really it, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's we started our conversation with words let's end our conversation with words as well uh so here's the thing i'll say a word and you share the very first word that comes to mind are you ready right. Right, i chose ready? I, oh i don't know <laughs> i chose nine words because nine's my favorite number so i hope you're cool with that okay. um first word music life Construct. Break. Noise. Noise. Class. Teach. 
Love? Sigh. Family? Precious. Start? Finish? Expression? Crucial? Confession? That one got me stuck. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my head. So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Savius, for taking time. I know you've got a lot going on, a full-time professor and all of the things. Thank you for taking time to share your story. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for helping all of us just become a bit more aware now. Thank you. No, thank you for, uh, yeah, taking the time to speak with me and um, yeah. Hopefully, uh, someone will get something useful from all of this. I'm sure that they will. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.